Welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast. We're here to grow in faith, connect in community, and serve the world. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, Pastor Michelle had a sermon all ready to go for today, but then she tested positive for COVID yesterday. So I thought I would take this additional sermon opportunity today to set the record straight once again. In fact, I sent Mary Ellen and my family a Spotify playlist yesterday morning of Christmas music that I'd been curating just to prove to them that, in fact, I do actually like Christmas music and will listen to it before December 24th. (laughs) I can send it to you later. I'll send it to you later, all right? Because I don't like to perpetuate this story that I'm a Scrooge about Christmas. It didn't help that I played Scrooge in our Christmas video last year for the church, of course. Stay tuned, by the way, for the new video. It'll be coming out sometime soon this week. But I made sure this year I didn't play the grumpy character in the story. So let me once again set the record straight. I'm not opposed to images of Christmas beginning to emerge during this time. I don't believe we need a suspension of reality to try and convince ourselves that Christ has not really come yet. I won't be surprised when the star arrives over the manger, but I am deeply possessive of this season of Advent. Of course, Advent is void of meaning without Christmas, but I don't find that we can live our lives in Christmas. We can try, many have, but it doesn't seem to work. But we can, and we do, live our lives in Advent. So I live my life reminding myself that even in the craziness of this world, Christ will come again. And I do live my life following the star, struggling sometimes to see its brightness, but trying with all of my being not to lose track of its light, trying not to lose the path that it illumines so that I can follow the star all the way to the full presence of God. I need this deep season of blue in the year that is nestled so close to the hope-filled promises of Christmas because it enables me to face the challenges of living a lifetime of expectancy. Always watching and waiting and finding a way and a peace in the fact that it would be and very may well have to be enough simply to watch and to wait for all of my days. We might not be able to bear this season of watching and waiting without Christmas to remind us of the one who watches and waits with us, but the reality is that we are Advent people, and therefore therefore I find great beauty and depth and witness in this season. I think Advent can say a great deal about who we are as Christians as well. Of course, our primary story is that of Easter, where we see the tension between the images of the death on the cross and the victory of the resurrection, 
And it's this kind of tension that I see given meaning and depth to the Advent season as well. We need the hope-filled wonder and splendor of Christmas, the promise that Christ dwells with us. We would not want to walk these Advent days without that hope guiding and sustaining us. But at the same time, these four weeks are a reality check that the kind of splendor and peace that we often celebrate at Christmas is really an expression of our hopes for the fulfillment of time. But our everyday reality so often falls shorter. So we take these days to explore the tension of wanting the fulfillment of Christ's promises, even though much of our lives seem devoid of signs of that fulfillment coming. So I believe that Advent is a very realistic season, while still being a very hopeful season. It isn't Pollyanna about a life of faith, but yet it is steadfast and clear that we are always heading towards the fulfillment of Christ's promises. And for me, that's a recipe for all of my days. I can't be without doubts and skepticism. It just isn't my nature. But at the same time, I know that I would be lost without hope. I would be discouraged without a clear calling towards justice, peace, and transformation. So it is then that we read these words today of the prophet Isaiah, written to a people that teetered on the edge of hopelessness. A once proud nation understanding itself to be the light to all the nations that was now a nation in ruins. A people sent into exile, returning to the land, trying to pick up the pieces to salvage a life, and even then it doesn't go so well. The hopes of simply going back and picking back up are dashed with the complexity of rebuilding and restoration. So the prophet Isaiah unleashes these words into the abyss of their uncertainty and fear. He says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with robes of righteousness. And so in the New Testament, these words become a bridge of hope that points towards Jesus for these same longing remains. The same hopes remain unfulfilled, and into this hope-filled expectancy, Jesus walks in and says, I have come, I have come to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It is with these words that Jesus inaugurates his ministry here on earth, echoing the prophet Isaiah with a hope for all people. And John, in our gospel lesson for today, foretells of his coming. 
He says, he himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And so Isaiah gives hope, and hope with a direction. If you want to be in tune with the one who is coming, well then, bind up the brokenhearted, comfort those who mourn, love, justice, hate, robbery, and wrongdoing. And Jesus' life and ministry fine-tunes this further, and we're reminded in 1 Thessalonians to admonish the idlers, to encourage the faint-hearted, to help the weak be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always do good to one another and to all. And finally then, today we return to our theme for the whole of this Advent season, of Mary's song, the Magnificat, that proclaims this vision of love and justice that are unleashed in the world in Jesus. And today we focus on a key piece of this vision, that he will fill the hungry with good things. And Mary, in her lifetime, would undoubtedly, like Jesus, continue to see hunger all around her. Maybe even she experienced hunger herself. But she knew that this baby growing inside of her was infused with the hope and the promise of God who is indeed making all things new. We are given all of these words because our lives of faith are not lived in a Christmas vacuum. They're lived in an Advent reality. A sure and certain light has come and continues to come but it's not yet fully realized. And therefore, we're called to live with Advent hope. A hope that knows the ending where love and life win and therefore never ceases to live out the vision of justice in whatever imperfect ways that we can. Pastor Michelle summarized the connections between this week and the promises in this way. thought I'd use at least a little bit of her sermon that she wrote in vain. She said, Mary's song gives a firm vision of what we're working towards as we seek to testify to the light of Christ. Anchored in that vision, we act accordingly. Therefore, we respond to the sorrow and suffering in the Middle East and Ukraine by lifting our voice in lament, using our voices to advocate for peace and justice. We pray and we infuse our prayers, comments, and conversations around the conflicts with love and mercy. And our financial contributions help, too, including our Advent opportunity to give the Lutheran disaster relief specifically for the Middle East crisis. And we pray for the hungry. A popular quote, she says, says you pray for the hungry and then you go feed them. That's how prayer works. So as we pray, we also provide food, filling the hungry with good things. We give them hams for Christmas and life food pantry bags, and we'll spend some time today packing meals down in the Parish Life Center. We may not quite get to providing God's heavenly banquet, but we can at least, she says, provide a foretaste of the feast to come. So in this Advent season, we cling to the promise. We light our little candles, and we watch, and we wait. We pray, 
and we hope, we love, and we serve. We question, and we cling to the promise, the promise of a child, a tiny little light that is filled with all of the grace and the peace and the truth of this world for all people. Amen.